0: so this is your dear old dad again and now that the prince warriors book one is done i am moving on to book two called unseen invasion okay we'll start with the prologue a small figure clothed in deep purple skims silently across the floor of the vast room snakes slithered out of his path thousands of snakes that littered the floor hissing and rattling their tails the figure paused before the throne a huge sculpture made of greenish iron it had the shape of a crude tree made of entwined human forms, scrawny legs and arms twisted in bizarre contortions behind the throne was a wall of fire the flames illuminating the agonized faces embedded in the sculpture making them seem alive more writhing snakes carpeted the seat of the throne their green iridescent scales gleaming in the firelight they lashed out with their forked tongues as the figure into figure in the purple robe raised up one draped arm a hand emerged from the sleeve pure glowing white piercing the darkness the snakes recoiled deserting the throne hissing furiously in protest the figure lifted the seat of the throne to expose a compartment underneath he pulled out its contents a small metal object with four corkscrew cross pieces a key he slipped the peculiar key into his purple robe The violent hissing of the snakes rose to a fever pitch as the figure turned from the throne and sped away. The faces in the sculpture cried out in fresh agony. A huge and horrible shadow rose up from the throne, wielding a massive sword. It crashed down too late. The intruder was already gone. Part 1. The Smallest Seed. The Prisoner. Rook knew that things were not going according to plan. He jumped from beam to beam, pulling his companion along with him, the prisoner he'd just released. "'Hurry!' he whispered, shouted. Although he knew no amount of coaxing would help, the prisoner's legs were encased in metal, the joints stiff from disuse. His arms were still flesh, however, which made it somewhat easier to keep a grip on him. "'I can't!' the prisoner panted. "'I need to stop!' Rook paused to let him rest." Balanced precariously on a narrow girder that hung across the stretch of empty space. Below them lay a black abyss. Above them, a maze of steel girders wound upward in a twisted skeleton, blocking out most of the churning red sky. It sickened him to be back in the Fortress of Chaos again. The dark castle at the edge of Skotos, the lair of Paneros, the enemy. Rook had escaped from his place, this place not long ago, rescued by a group of school kids who had brought him a message. Once freed, always free. He'd returned to bring that message to another prisoner. He'd also brought a key. It was the same key that had been taken back from the enemy by the kids. The key that opened prison doors. He reached into his pocket, fingering the long, shiny object with the scrolly handle, making sure it was still there. He couldn't lose it, whatever happened. This way, he beckoned to his companion to follow him along the beam. The boots that Ruach had given Rook gripped the steel girder like rubber, giving him assurance he wouldn't slip. But the prisoner's metal feet scraped eerily, making Rook's hair stand on end. He remembered all too well what it felt like to hobble along on metal feet and how he had been restored thanks to those kids and to Ruach, the one who had sent him. If only Rook had thought this through a little more. Getting into the fortress had been easy, too easy. The narrow beam of light from his breastplate had lit up his path with each step. No one tried to stop him. The forgers, the fully mechanized soldiers of Paneros' evil army, were nowhere in sight. Yet Rook had had the feeling he was being watched. The Ents, perhaps, those nasty metal bugs, that liked to pass themselves, as butterflies. They'd probably been tracking him with their red laser eyes unseen. Rook should have known better than to simply go out to the same way he'd come in. But he was so determined to free a soul and get out of that horrible place as soon as he could, he hadn't taken proper precautions. He thought he knew the way, but the fortress seemed to have shifted around him, morphed. His path wiped away. Every exit he had known blocked chaos confusion that was paneros's security system the beam under them shuddered forcing them to stop loud booms filled the air around them the sound of heavy footsteps echoing through the maze of girders it's them said the prisoner in a squeaky pathetic voice they're coming now foragers rook thought they had trapped him now they would come to retake him and the prisoner bolt what's your name rook asked it's F- F- finn stuttered the prisoner well finn we have to get to the end of this beam and then we'll figure something out he hoped his voice didn't sound as hopeless as he felt he inched his way along the slender path keeping one hand on finn's arm so he wouldn't lose his balance and tumble into the abyss underneath them after that after what seemed like forever <clears throat> he got to the end of the girder and grabbed a vertical beam that projected from the empty space below finn grabbed on as well the whole structure trembled and shook with the sound of approaching forgers red round glowing orbs appeared in the inky blackness closing in around them which way Asked finn rook looked up he couldn't really see anything but small angular blotches of red sky peeking through the tangled web of beams overhead up there the, a voice seemed to come from the sky, a young voice, a girl's voice. Rook strained to see who had spoken. Stars seemed to be pouring from, out from the cracks in the girders above them. Not stars, sparks, those tiny, brilliant balls of light <coughs> that dwelled in the cave. Ruach had come, but the voice was not Ruach's. It definitely belonged to a young girl. Come on, will you? The girl's voice scolded him. By the light of the sparks, he could see the outline of a human standing on a girder above him. This way, climb! How in the world did that human, a girl, get all the way up there? Maybe it was a trick. Panaris was good at tricks. Deception was his game. Yet what choice did Rook have but to follow? He turned to Finn, whose half-human face stared back at him, fear roiling in his eyes. Did you see that? He asked, pointing upward. A huge forager vaulted onto the girder they'd just crossed, its metal fists closed and ready to strike. <clears throat> As the forger lunged for him, Rook drew his sword and clung, slicing off one of its metal arms. The forger bellowed, its red eyes spinning with rage. It stumbled backward and fell from the beam to the dark void below. But soon, there was another one to take its place, and another. Great, Rook muttered to himself. You coming or what? said the voice above. How am I supposed to? Use your belt. belt. The belt. Rook suddenly understood. As the second forger charged him, Rook took off his belt, a wide, plain white belt that had no visible clasp he tossed one end upward it stretched out several times its own length the end wrapping snugly around the beam above the belt stretched thin making it begin to hum like a tightly wound guitar string hold on to me rook said and jumped his boots launching him and the prisoner into the air as more foragers converged under him rook swung one leg over the beam on which he his belt was wrapped hauling himself and Finn over to the top piece of cake he said breathlessly giving finn a little encouraging smile finn tried to smile back with his half metal face you're too slow said the girl who had scrambled up to an even higher perch. that girl was starting to get on rook's nerves rook looked down saw the forgers climbing up the steel girders toward him pretty nimble he thought for big hulking hardware he unwrapped his belt through one end to the uh, up to yet another beam and land and jumped again holding tightly onto finn rook could see the girl more clearly now she had scrambled up toward the top of the fortress where bare beams thrust into the swirling red purple sky her fiery red hair whipped around her face in the biting wind she held on with one hand glancing out over the expansive sky come on already rook jumped up again finn clinging to him the belt propelling them up over ever upward below them foragers continued to gather scaling their beams their red eyes piercing the darkness where on earth was that girl going she seemed to be leading them him into a trap when finally rook and his half human charge made it into the pinnacle the little girl with red hair greeted them with a big big sigh took you long enough she sniped hey you tried dragging up a 200 pound hunk of metal no offense rook glanced at Finn in an apology then turned back to the girl he unwrapped his belt and refastened it around his waist, making sure his sword was still secure. The girl, he noticed, didn't have a sword, only a belt, breastplate, and boots. Like these, those other kids, he remembered. The ones who had rescued him. But this girl hadn't been with them They'd come for, when they'd come for him. Again, he wondered if this was a trap. If the girl was working for Paneris himself. Who are you, by the way? Did Ruach send you? How are you going to get out of here? <clears throat> We're going to jump, of course. What? Rook blinked, hoping he'd heard her wrong. The beam on which they were perched on shook with the vibrations of the foragers clammy, cham- clamoring toward them. Now, the girl said with something like glee, let's go. Before he had time to react, she grabbed his arm and jumped straight into the turbulent sky, taking Rook and Finn with her. <clears throat> Chapter 2, Rain Evan sat on the school bus, staring at the raindrops cascading down the window. He liked how they would run straight down and then suddenly turn toward each other, joining together to make a bigger raindrop that raced down the glass even faster. It made Evan wonder why they did that. Fuse and then fall. Interesting. Did raindrops just want to be together? Was it more fun that way? The bus was filling up, kids laughing and joking, relaxing after a long day of school. The older kids went straight to the back, the littlest kids sitting up front. Evan sat in the middle of the bus. He kept his eyes on the window, watching the raindrops. It was better than seeing the faces of the other kids as they looked him over and then passed by. (laughs) He was a month into fourth grade at his new school, and still he hadn't made a real friend. The kids at Cedar Creek Elementary had their own friend groups. They weren't looking for any new members. Kids here were different from the city where he used to go to school. Most of them had grown up in the same place and known each other forever. New kids didn't come to come to their school too often. "Give it time," his dad had said. Evan wondered how long time would take. He heard giggling and looked across the aisle. Two girls glanced at him, smirking and whispering probably laughing at him because of his hair his mom had put some stuff in it to get it to lay down flat for picture day picture day the worst day of the school year he had to wear a collared shirt that itched his neck and his mom made him promise to not get it dirty all day thank goodness that was over he counted on his fingers, eight months to go before summer came back. It seemed like an eternity. The little kid sat down next a little kid sat down next to him, a second grader probably, with a runny nose, like most second graders. He wiped his nose with his hand and then wiped his hand on the back of the seat. Evan looked away, disgusting. The kid started bouncing in his seat like he couldn't wait for the bus to get going. Annoying little kids could never sit still. <laughs> What's your name? the kid asked him. <clears throat> Evan. Evan made a point of not asking the kid's name, just so the kid would know that Evan didn't really care. He might be desperate for friends, but not for a bouncy, runny-nosed second-grader friends. I'm Charlie," said the kid. "Where do you live?" "Around," said. Evan answered. Maybe the kid would get a clue that he didn't really want to talk. Finally, the bus lurched into motion and Charlie stopped bouncing, his attention elsewhere. Evan settled back into his seat. It was a 20 minute ride to his house. Maybe now he could get a little peace and quiet. He pulled his phone out of his backpack and turned it on. It was his day to have the phone, which he shared with his older brother Xavier, although Xavier seemed to get it a lot more than he did. He opened his favorite game, Kingdom Quest. Evan loved this game. He was even better than his brother at it, although he was now stuck at level 6. The player had to use blocks of all different shapes and sizes to build a castle before it was attacked by the Icemen, who were like any army of creatures made of ice and snow who would come and destroy the castle if it wasn't finished in time. In each level of play, the castle you had to build got more complicated. In order to get building blocks, you had to go through a series of challenges, like defeating a tribe of trolls or decoding a secret scroll. Heaven loved stuff like that. He wasn't allowed to use the phone in school, but he figured the bus didn't count as actual school anyway. Evan played intently for several minutes, but still, he failed to finish before the Iceman came and destroyed his castle. He sighed, tapping the reset button. At least he got to start over and try again. Eventually, he knew he would win. He would go on to the next level and a brand new set of challenges to overcome. The game sort of, sort of reminded him of Ahoratus, the, the real but unseen world he had been into twice with Xavier and his friends. Each time they went, the challenge was a little tougher. But if they followed the instruction from the book and listened to their guide, Ruach, they would make it through. Best of all, even if they messed up, they got a second chance, at least so far. He thought about his friends, Levi, Brianna, and Manuel, as his fellow prince warriors, He wished he could go to school with them. They were at Cedar Creek Middle. They could all hang out, have lunch together, talk about their adventures in Aharatas without being looked at like they were weird. When Evan had boasted to the other kids in his class how he'd gone over a waterfall and battled evil butterflies and ridden a flying dragon, they just looked at him like he was crazy, making it all up. Maybe he was. It was more than a month since he'd been to Ahirata's. Maybe it had been just a dream. Except Xavier had been there too. Could two people dream the same dream at the same time? Evan doubted it. Yet ever since they'd rescued the prisoner Rook and escaped from the evil fortress of Chaos and Skodos, none of them had heard a word from Rook maybe he was on vacation or taking an extra long nap or maybe he just didn't need the prince warriors anymore maybe it was all in evan's imagination but they had to go back for one thing they didn't have their full sets of armor only the belt breastplate and boots a real warrior needed more than that they still had to get the shield the helmet and the sword the sword that's what evan really wanted a real beautiful majestic sword a forger slaying sword If he had the sword, those girls in the next seat would be too busy staring in awe to think of making fun of him. The bus stopped at the wreck. That's what he and the other kids called the Cedar Creek Recreational Center. Most of the kids, including Charlie with the runny nose, got off the bus. Normally, Evan would have gotten off there too. Xavier and his friends were probably there already playing basketball, but Evan didn't want to play basketball in this itchy button-down shirt and he'd forgotten to bring an extra set of clothes. He would just have to go home and change and ask his mom to drive him over to the wreck later. When the bus screeched to a stop at his house. Evan got up, shoved his phone in his backpack, and walked quickly toward the front of the folding doors Squeal! when the folding doors squealed open to let him out. <laughs> the rain had let up a bit, but he put his hood up anyway. It was a long walk to his house. The pebbled driveway dipped down toward a bridge over the creek and up another hill. Evan liked to imagine he was back in Aharatus again, running through the woods, jumping over the deep chasm that separated Skodos to the dark side of Aharatus from the rest of that golden kingdom. He liked to imagine he was building the bridge with his feet, as he had done the last time he was there. That had been amazing, stepping up into the sky and stones forming under his feet as he went. You gonna just stand there admiring the view? Evan turned to the voice. Miss Lois, the bus driver, her crinkly eyes smiled at him. She had spiky gray hair and lots of red lipstick. She reminded Evan of a kindly grandmotherly sort of gargoyle. Sorry, he muttered, jumping off the bus. You take care now, Evan, Miss Lois said, shutting the doors. The bus rumbled away. Evan watched it go, bouncing over ruts in the road, fountains of muddy water shooting up from the wheels. The wheels of the bus go round and round. What made him think of that baby song? That snot-nosed kid Charlie, probably. You need to get a grip, he said to himself. You're a prince warrior, right? Not a little kid anymore. (laughs) It was still raining, so he put up his hood and was about to head down the road drive when he remembered the mail because it was such a long walk from the road to his house his mom had told him and his brother to please stop and check the mailbox whenever they were on their way home. Xavier usually forgot but Evan didn't mind getting the mail it was like having a job in a way and it always gave him brownie points with mom who liked it when he remembered to do things without being told a hundred times he walked over to the mailbox which was which was nestled in a bunch of tall brownish stocks his mother called grass it didn't look like grass to Evan but mom had lots of weird names for things he pulled on the mail box door, it stuck as it always did, so he had to pull extra hard. The box was full Mondays. it always seems to fullest on Mondays. He pulled out the letters and magazines, balancing them so he wouldn't drop any on the wet ground. He'd just gotten everything out and folded the magazines around the letters securely when he heard something a zap, a sizzle like an electric spark. He thought at first an overhead wire had been hit by lightning, although he hadn't seen any lightning, this wasn't a lightning kind of rain. He looked up at the tall poles that held the wires like tight ropes all the way down the road. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw a flash. But it didn't come from the pole. It came from the house across the street. He squinted at the house. (laughs) Manuel lived there. He'd been amazed to discover that Manuel lived right across the street from him. Evan hadn't actually been to Manuel's house, mainly because Manuel had never invited him. Manuel kept to himself most of the day, probably studying the effects of a photon rays on ladybugs or building an anti-gravity machine in his room. Another flash. Maybe Manuel was messing with something even worse than anti-gravity. Evan wasn't exactly sure what anti-gravity was, but it sounded kind of dangerous. He stood there for a moment, unsure what to do, but then there was another flash that lasted even longer, and Evan felt sure something was really wrong. Maybe there was a fire! He sprinted into action, holding the mail under one arm like a football player, and as he ran across the street and up the steep driveway to Manuel's house, he didn't notice that one of the letters in a bundle, a bright red envelope, had slipped out and tumbled into the tall brownish stalks beside the mailbox. As it fell, it let off a sprinkle of light, but Evan didn't notice that either. Uh Uh-oh. That is the end of chapter 2, and I will read more later. Love all of you peoples, all of you kiddos, all of you. God bless you. This is a good book.